Hello everyone, welcome to episode 46 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. Uh, we want to kick things off this week with the kind of big news of the week, which is who the hell bit Beyonce? <laughs> um, and luckily, because we're recording this uh, on Saturday over the weekend, we now know, we think, who bit Beyonce. Yes. So for some background, spoiler alert, we know who did it, but uh, <laughs> hang in here with us while we tell you how we got to this point. Um, so actress and comedian Tiffany Haddish um, had a GQ profile published recently, and in it, she told the story of being at a 2015 after party from a Jay-Z concert. 2015 or 2017? Oh, I don't know. The story I'm looking at says 2015. Oh, okay. I thought I read something that it was. it just happened like a few months ago. Probably. Our reporting can only be as good as the data sources that we have, so... Uh. Us Magazine says it happened in December of 2017. Okay. Yeah. NME says that it happened in 2015. All right. It happened within the past couple years. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, at a party um, after a Jay-Z concert, Tiffany Haddish was hanging out, chatting with Beyonce, and then apparently Beyonce came up to her and was like, that bitch bit me in the face. And so then Tiffany Haddish threatened to like beat the woman up. Mm -hmm. There's a whole thing. Beyonce apparently said like, no, she's not normally like this, but she's on drugs. And she always acts like this when she's on drugs. So then the question became who the hell bit Beyonce because Tiffany Haddish wouldn't tell anyone. Yes. And that like literally has taken up the Twitterverse and the internet for the last, what, like two or three days? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was Chrissy Teigen, uh, queen of Twitter got in on the speculation. She's like, I bet I know who it is and I hate her and she's the worst. And then she's like, oh my God, I found out who it is and it's not who I thought it was. <laughs> um, and it seemed like a lot of people didn't want to identify this person because of the drug use allegation. Mm -hmm. um, there were also, I believe Tiffany Haddish at a comedy show disclosed that whoever it was was dating French Montana, which led us to my favorite and yours, Sanaa Lathan, yes. best known, I would argue, as um, Monica Wright from the great film Love and Basketball. Great, great movie. She was so wonderful. Um, yeah, apparently she's the one who bit Beyonce. Now, Sanaa had, came out publicly and said, oh, y'all are so funny. Like, I would never bite Beyonce. But if I did it, it would have been like a love tap or something. <laughs> a love bite. A love bite, which sounds very much like OJ saying, if I did it, um, this is how I would have chopped my ex-wife's head off. So kind of leads you to believe that she did do it. Um, and now this has been confirmed by multiple news sources. The Daily Mail, page six. Very reputable. <laughs> Super reputable. They say it. It has to be true. Sanaa herself has not come out and confirmed this, but we do know that she was in kind of an on-again, off-again relationship with French Montana. Um, but Tiffany Haddish hasn't come out to say that that's indeed who bit Beyonce in the chin. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like, James Corden, Stephen Colbert, CNN, they all wanted to get to the bottom of who bit Beyonce. This was uh, kind of insane. According to NME, um, Tiffany Haddish signed an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, <laughs> over the matter, so she can't talk about it anymore. Oh. Which, oh, I don't know. Why didn't you... Why would... Why is that new? Like, what the hell? Well, yeah, why would Why would you not have... Why would you sign a non-disclosure agreement over... Unless everybody who went to the party did. But which is possible. Which is possible. But then but she shouldn't should... have talked about it at all. Exactly. 
Um, she also posted a picture of herself, Tiffany Haddish did, and Beyonce at that party. And Beyonce's kind of hiding half of her face behind Tiffany Haddish's head. And like, it's like a cute picture. So you could have thought she was just doing that to like take a cute picture. But now apparently it's because she had a bite mark on her face. Well, so. It's also a very blurry Instagram photo. But So is there any allegation that the bite drew blood or like actually broke skin or like so because i can't imagine like whether their teeth imprints i don't know (laughs) like i can't imagine that the effects of the bite lasting so long as to then require beyonce to have to hide her face in photographs unless it had just happened right i mean yeah i don't know i've never had my face bitten before so i'm not i'm not sure by a drug-addled friend (laughs) um so yeah i don't know but um yeah. Anyway, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that investigation because uh, I was worried and nosy. <laughs> I always, you know this very well whenever we listen to true crime stuff, but I feel like there's a part of me that's died a little bit when I don't know the ending of a story. Like, yeah, so because now we know who bit Beyonce, I can I can rest easy. Yeah, and I felt bad. I was getting pretty agitated about people casting aspersions on the great Monica Wright, but uh, apparently... I guess she did do it, so... She wasn't in her proper frame of mind. Because she, as Beyonce said, she's normally not like that. Right. Um, I wonder, it's not clear to me if she was also the person who was inappropriately flirting with Jay-Z or if that was someone else. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, they were at that party. Yeah. She she has been name-dropped in a Jay-Z song. Right. Mm -hmm. But maybe he's a really big fan of Love and Basketball, too. It's a great movie. It is. I mean, and then she was in, what the hell is it? Something new, I think, with the guy who played, who was on the TV show The Guardian, uh, The Australian Man. Yeah, Simon Baker. Simon Baker, which um, my parents made fun of me because The Guardian is set in Pittsburgh, and I really love that TV show, and that's also where I went to law school, and they <laughs> kept telling me, you know he doesn't really live there. <laughs> Oh, that's not nice of them. No, they were. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Um, I don't. Yeah, something new, Kenya McQueen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we let off with the Who Bit Beyonce story because we know that that's a way for pulling in like listeners because you all want to know who bit Beyonce, and we were able to. Oh, we we let got the to tell you know. that exactly. It was very exciting. Um, I think probably back to our normal programming. Right, because that arguably it may have been battery to bite Beyonce in the face, but probably not a legal issue, and she clearly didn't press charges. So. Exactly. Um, I guess probably one of the bigger stories, legal stories that came out this week was the uh, a, cheer, a former cheerleader for the New Orleans Saints football team filed a charge with the EEOC alleging um, that she was terminated from her job as a cheerleader based on uh, gender discrimination. Um, it's actually kind of a crazy... S- the stories that she relayed to the EOC just sound crazy. Like, I can't understand how this is still happening in 2018. But we have, on this podcast in the past, talked about um, these really arcane rules for cheerleaders mm-hmm. and dancers to have to follow who work for NFL teams. Um, uh, there have been numerous lawsuits settled in the last few years over how they're paid because they're paid. They used to be paid in some on some teams like seventy five dollars per game 
So that was just a flat fee that didn't include any of their practice time or the getting dressed and getting ready and, and all of that. So um, I know the Oakland Raiders settled a wage suit uh, mm -hmm. in the last few years to get them at least paid minimum wage. Uh, this is different in that, well, not super different because this sort of falls along with the Buffalo Jills situation. Um, yes, and these are the Saint-sations. Yeah. So uh, this woman, whose name escapes me... Bailey Davis, 26. Thank you. She was let go from the Saints organization for allegedly posting on a private Instagram, her private Instagram page, a picture of her wearing a one-piece bathing suit. And there were additional allegations that she... Uh, might have fraternized with Saints players by either being at the same party as them or maybe exchanging text messages. She denies that she was um, at these parties with them. Uh, and I will have to say that her one-piece bathing suit it covers her up more than the ridiculous outfit that the Saints make them wear when they dance. So there's that. Sure. Um, but the Saints have said basically like she's not... Uh, projecting the right image of a sensation dancer and the uh, that she violated the no fraternization policy. What <laughs> image is that exactly that they are trying to? I don't know. Share. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But so the uh, the gender discrimination portion of her complaint is that Saints football players can fraternize all they want with the cheerleaders. Right. They can go to parties with them. They can. Follow them on social media. They can talk to them. Like you can't speak back, but they can talk to you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that I don't understand. So it's this crazy thing where you're not even supposed to follow um, other NFL players on social media, or you can't allow them to follow you. You have to block. You them have all. to block them all. It's like you're going to force them to spend their time basically being like little social media detectives to like block fake identities of football players just so that you can keep your stupid job where you make like a hundred dollars a week. Yeah. So the New York times did an investigation into this case, um, reviewing emails and text messages. And according to their reporting, the saints do have an anti fraternization policy that requires cheerleaders to avoid contact with players, both in person or online, excuse me, but players are not penalized for engaging in that type of um, contact with cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. Cheerleaders are required to block players from following them on social media, cannot post pictures of themselves in Saints gear, um, which means they can't market themselves. Players are not prohibited from doing any of those things or required, as the case may be. What the craziest thing that I thought, I mean, probably not the craziest, but... Um, Cheerleaders are told they can't eat in the same restaurants as players or speak to them in detail. That is but the restaurant thing, this is the killer. If a Saints cheerleader walks in and there's a player already there, they have to leave. If the cheerleader is eating in the restaurant, she's got to get up and leave when the player walks in. Um, and it's not just Saints players. It's any NFL player. Mm -hmm. How the fuck do you even know who they all are? They're, I mean, they have a average career of, what, three years? Like They have an average, yeah. So I don't know. Why would you know? Well, regardless of whether it applies to like former or current players, because yeah. that's a lot. But even with current players, aren't there like 52 people per team? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, that's a lot of people that you just have to be like vaguely aware of. Like, I'm not getting up and leaving my dinner just because yeah. some dummy comes into the <laughs> restaurant that I'm eating at. No. But I just don't understand how you can take a job that regulates your personal life so intensely. Yeah. And... The other really obnoxious, irritating 
offensive part of this is that this is all done under the auspices of, well, we want to protect you from oh, the players. That, like, so no. patronizing. Tell them to fucking mo- modify their own behavior. Like, it's I should be able to eat in a restaurant with a man that I sort of work with without being feeling unprotected or unsafe. I like, sort of feel like Mike so Pence is running the... Right, Saints from LinkedIn cheerleading program. Although he wouldn't al- be allowed to because he can't like cast his eyes on any you other. No, mother would be with him all the time. He really does call his wife mother. Yeah, right? I'm does. not making that up no. just to be mean. Okay. No, but it's it is so antiquated, and I don't, I don't understand. I just honestly, I'm just gobsmacked by it. Like you have to leave a restaurant where you were there first, eating yeah. dinner with your family because we're not going. Yeah. No. Because some, like, third-string punter walks yeah. in? Fuck you. Like, that's... Re- Buy them all stun guns, and then they can keep themselves safe if that's how we want to do things. Yeah, but... So, yeah, there's a really long, ugly history of NFL players being abusive towards women. But, like, I don't... Can you... Is that really the, the basis for why you can legislate this for your employees or legislate it for both of them i mean i think that's where it to the extent the saints get in trouble for this in front of the eeoc Mm -hmm. the problem is going to be that they don't enforce these rules against the i mean the rules themselves are problematic but um Mm -hmm. to any normal thinking person but i think the legal trouble is going to be that they allow the players to do whatever the fuck they want to do and the onus is put entirely on these women um although i don't know there might be some men in the Saints cheerleading squad. I thought there was, yeah. Like, there was the very first male cheerleader that was hired this week. Uh, there was mention in one of the articles that I read about how Brett Favre was fined for sending dick pics oh. to the ch- a cheerleader. I thought she worked for... Um, she thought she worked for the Jets, but wasn't a cheerleader. She, Jen Sturger. Yeah, but I thought I that... I'm some... not sure I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. But... So, so maybe... And, but, I mean, that could... I mean... There were lots of other circumstances, so this is not an apples-to-apples comparison. But um, Michael McCann, of course, wrote a very in-depth article about the um, potential merits and, um, you know, potential, like, risks to uh, the Saints' EOC um, charge. So check that out if you have some time. But it's, you know, if if organizations have been... um, telling their players that they also cannot fraternize with cheerleaders and you two shall remain separated by invisible barriers, um, then that would that would undermine the disparate treatment um, aspect of her allegation, but that all remains to be seen because we have no idea whether or not individual uh, players have ever been fined or talked to or disciplined for fraternizing with the dancers cheerleaders i don't what are they they dancers I think they're cheerleaders oh, okay also i misspoke bailey davis is only 22 years old not 26 um and apparently what got her ultimately fired was there was a rumor that she was at a party where a player was present she said that she wasn't at the party and the team told her they had no evidence that she was there she did tell her supervisors that players were contacting her on social media she told them she didn't respond and the team responded to her that she needed to block all of them um, and make her social media presence private, even though players are not required to do that. Um, But her Instagram was private when she posted the picture of her in the one-piece bathing suit. Right. 
and it's unclear how they got a copy of the photo. But the senior director of the Saint Sations, Ashley Deaton, texted her um, very poor judgment to post a picture like that, especially considering our recent conversations about the rumors going around about you. She did not spell out the word you, just the letter. Um, this does not help your case. I'd expect you to know better. And then she was fired four days later. Yeah, I'm sorry. If it just sounds like draconian and like Catholic school from the 1950s. It's just so backwards. Yeah. Uh, anyways. So uh, that is going to be a very long process. She just filed the charge with the EEOC. Normally, the EEOC will investigate by uh, soliciting a response from the employer and maybe even engaging in doing interviews with individuals involved to get their um, their uh, accounts of things. But in all likelihood, because the EEOC is one of those overwhelmed federal agencies, more likely than not, the investigation will close and the EEOC will issue a right to sue letter. Um, and then uh, Ms. Davison? Davis. Davis can fight it out in court. Um, yeah, and I, based on my recent experience, um, there are claims that were charges submitted to the EEOC that were still are still in the investigative process two years later. So it takes a long time. Mm hmm. Oh. That's kind of, that's bad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so this is going to be a very, um, a very lengthy process. And if the saints were smart, they'd get ahead of it and settle this. Because um, whatever comes out is not going to be good. Just, uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Jills thing. Um, that is when winding its way through the courts. I just was, as part of the New York Times story on the New York, on the New Orleans Saints cheerleaders, they rehashed some of the incidents with the Buffalo Jills yeah. where they had to do jumping jacks at tryouts to see if their legs jiggled yeah, and the then had to do backflips in bikinis at a um, golf outing for yeah. sponsors. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the fact that like... Um, the dancers, cheerleaders, social media pages, um, and accounts were followed by the team. Oh, that's great. Just, like, that's so insanely invasive. Um, so that's really the big legal story this week. Um, we have other salacious things that we can talk about. So. We do. It's basically our gossip column. Although <laughs> some of these are um, uh, sort of updates on things that we have discussed. Mm-hmm. Previously, I'm not sure what order we want to take them in. Well, I guess on that note, should we talk about R. Kelly? Yeah. I mean, ugh, do we have to? Um, well, yes, because the headline for this is like one of the best headlines <sighs> I've ever read in my life. So um, R. Kelly, as was disclosed in a recent BBC Three documentary, R. Kelly was grooming a 14-year-old girl as a quote-unquote sex pet. <laughs> I think I'm going to throw up now. Um, so an ex-girlfriend of R. Kelly's, um, was featured in this documentary and, um, accused him of abusing a teenage girl since she was 14 years old. Uh-huh. The former girlfriend's name is Kitty Jones, just to... Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe that's where the pet confusion Maybe. came in. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and, uh, the story is a little bit confusing because, like, the ages don't add up and they just use pronouns that don't totally, um connect to because i don't my understanding is that it's not 
Kitty Jones, who was the sex pet. No, like he, she was introduced to one of the girls who was being quote unquote trained to be the sex pet. Got it. But what she says, what Kitty Jones says is that the young girl was like dressed like her. So I'm assuming dressed like Kitty Jones. Oh, wow. And um, so I didn't, uh, it seems to me that maybe R. Kelly wanted a younger version of Kitty Jones. Um, yes, uh, the, the frown on your face. This is an audio medium and I'm making a really... <laughs> unfortunate face um yeah r kelly is a disgusting pig of a human and people should stop listening to his music and it's very um i don't know it's very upsetting to me that like with all of this the me too times up talk like this shithead keeps getting away with it and i suspect it's because of the uh racial background of his victims that people aren't listening to um these women as much as they've listened to uh, people who've come forward to complain about Harvey Weinstein, etc. Also, they're teens and they're not famous and it's no one is willing to stand up to lift up their voices um, against R. Kelly. Yeah, we've talked previously about the sex cult that he was running. I'm assuming the grooming the sex pet is part of the sex cult. Um, Sure. Unclear if this is one of the... So in the previous story, we talked about um, the parents of some of the women that he was apparently are living in his homes in Atlanta and Chicago. The ones without furniture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the prior stories we've <laughs> talked about with R. Kelly. Um, they, I'm not sure if it it's the, those women like who were the subject of those stories who may also be this teen or if there are even uh, there are others. Yeah. I don't know. So the BBC Three documentary is called R. Kelly, Sex, Girls, and Videotapes, which is... Jesus Christ. Which is really unoriginal, <laughs> considering the headline to the story is, he's grooming a 14-year-old as a sex pet. Like Also, Sex, Lies, and Videotapes come out in the 80s. Do better, BBC. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. There's There's been some investigations. Um, I think... Well, is it one of the women that we spoke about on a previous pod... At least one of them has come out and said, yes, she was, you know, abused by him. Mm-hmm. But then, like, another one, her family said that She's, she was abused, but she was saying that it was a consensual relationship. Right. So the one woman who he, her parents thought she was being held captive, mm-hmm. and she came out and said, no, I'm fine. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be here. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it could be because she was brainwashed. Well, right. That's what cult members would yes. say. Which leads us into our next story. Yes. Uh, upstate New York sex cult that's <laughs> being run by a um, actress who used, well, not totally run by her. She's in leadership. Um, a woman named Allison Mack who played Chloe, best friend of Clark Kent on the WB hit Smallville, um, which was a great show. Too bad about what happened to um, at least one of its stars. But um, the reason this is in the news this week, well, a couple reasons. One, um, one of its members is the daughter of Catherine Oxenberg, who was kind of famous in the 1980s, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's some, like, Yugoslavian royalty, too. There's... Did she marry into that? Might yeah. Have. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on Dynasty? Yes. Okay. So her daughter is a member of this group, um, and so she's been going public trying to get her kid back, basically. Her daughter is a young adult woman. She's not a child, um, for whatever distinction that is worth. Um, but there have also been allegations that Kristen Kruk, who played Laura Lang, I thought mm-hmm. it was Lana. 
I thought so too. Okay. But well, it, then the news source uh, that no, I was. No, it is Lana Lang. Lana Lang. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I was looking at a news source that had her name screwed up. Was it NME? Could have been. <laughs> really disappointing this week. Um, Kristen Kruk, who played Lana Lang, Clark Kent's love interest on the show, was alleged to have um, helped lure young women into the sex cults. Um, when she was a member of it, she subsequently quit the group. Um, but Allison Mack remains in the group leadership. Kristen Kruk has come out and said she had nothing to do with this. Um, the group is called Nexium, like the, I think it's an anti-indigestion medication or yes. something, mm-hmm. but it's not spelled that way. It's spelled without any vowels. Um, Very obnoxiously, N-X-I-V-M. Yeah. So the, uh, I guess the idea is that they bring a lot of young women into the group to like help with their confidence. Mm-hmm. And as part of helping with their confidence, they have to have sex with the group leader. And then they get branded. Right. They, he brands <laughs> them on their inner thigh or something with, with his initials. With his initials. So yes, she said that when she was 23, she took a, um, a course there, like called executive success programs and it was a very intensive self-help personal growth course that helped her with her uh shyness and then she quit Mm -hmm. and she's horrified by what she has learned so the man who is at the center of this cult keith ranieri uh was arrested uh on sex trafficking charges where he fled to in mexico after all of this came down so and they there are rumors that allison mack will be arrested shortly as being a member of the group's leadership yeah that's just crazy yeah and this this kind of goes back to the r kelly the original r kelly story that we talked about that like you might think people's behavior is weird and creepy and upsetting but like if they're all consenting adults there's not a mm-hmm. ton you can do about it no um but here if the guy is trafficking these women that's a problem mm-hmm. um yes well yeah and i mean i always i always wonder about um what you need to show to indicate that the person is being held there against their will if they've been quote-unquote brainwashed right right and i would think it would have to be a higher threshold for adults than mm-hmm. kids yeah so India Oxenberg is Catherine Oxenberg's uh, daughter who is, like, full-fledged trapped in the sex cult. Um, hopefully she'll get out now that... Uh... Um, so I'm assuming that um, is India Casper Van Dien's, or Dine's kid? I don't know. I don't think so. Because they have two kids together. Right, Casper Van Dien. What was he, in Starship Troopers? Yeah. <laughs> That's... Yeah. An excellent, excellent movie. <laughs> um, I mean, he's been in other things, but... No, I think she is Catherine Oxenberg's daughter from her prior relationship. Oh. Okay. Yes, you're right. Uh, India Oxenberg is his stepdaughter. Yeah. So, uh, as Burke had alluded to earlier, uh, Catherine Oxenberg... Um, is the daughter of Her Royal Highness Prince Elizabeth of Yugoslavia, and thus the granddaughter of Prince Paul, the former regent of Yugoslavia. Many of you might be wondering, Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore, so do you still get to be royal if your country no longer exists? I have no idea what the rules are, so... um, But that is her claim to royalty. Yep. (laughs) I thought I'd read that somewhere. Um, Yeah, so... Lots of sex trafficking, sex cults, and sex pets. Yeah, it's gross and horrible. Yeah. And uh, I hope the 
women who have been um, dragged into these things or, you know, one of their own free will and things got a little out of hand, uh, will get the help that they need. Um, this is terrible. Yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, Teen Mom? I can't even remember her name. Oh, Farrah Abraham. So Farrah Abraham was on the first, I think the first season of Teen Mom. Very sad story. She got pregnant and then the father of her child died in a car accident, I think. She lives in, she lived in Iowa. Um, her mom was a monster and, uh, but so was she. And so it was really messy. She like left home, moved to Florida in one season of the show. And then, um, had to find a way to support herself and her daughter. So in addition to working with MTV and being on teen mom and teen mom OG, she, uh, joined the adult entertainment industry um, and started filming porn movies. And apparently MTV fired her uh, because of her involvement in the adult entertainment industry. Cause you know, they have a, they have an image they need to protect. <laughs> um, anyway, she, <laughs> she sued them by arguing that they fired her just because she was now um, filming porn. And I guess they couldn't do that. Um, being yeah. a sex worker is not a protected status, so I'm not sure what her basis for the lawsuit was. And being on Teen Mom is not a constitutionally yeah, that's, protected right. That's, in fact, a privilege. <laughs> yeah. um, so all of her other co-stars seem to hate her, though, so I'm sure that um, probably had something to do with it. So they, she's a real asshole oh, if you see her on TV. I have not, but they settled the lawsuit. You're probably um, better for that. Yeah. <laughs> They've settled the lawsuit, so it's not proceeding forward. It's been dismissed um, by the parties and i guess she posted on instagram like on friday her new thousand dollar sneakers from louis vuitton that she bought with the money right and she's had hashtag lv ambassador like really louis vuitton yeah <laughs> i mean that's and i'm not uh i don't make that comment to denigrate her because of her sex work or her reality tv stardom she's just an awful person mm -hmm. um and probably should not be the face of louis vuitton um but maybe she made it up i don't know maybe uh, exactly. She could have just hashtagged it, right? No one actually polices yeah. those. And those uh, sneakers are ugly. They're super ugly. Um, yeah. Super ugly. Mm -hmm. She also, this is her quote um, after the lawsuit settled. Um, Reality TV is a place where I've been very successful and have made history multiple times for social change, justice, and showing where society needs to be challenged and changed. My recent work with MTV ended on the highest note, and it's confirmation to me that I've been able to impact production and the network for the better, and I hope they continue their willingness to listen to creators, developers, and leaders to improve the exhausted forms of shows and adapt to the next levels. What social change has she helped to provoke? I don't know. Okay. Because up until literally today when I saw this story, I had not heard of her. She uh, she sued for emotional pain, mm -hmm. loss of emotional suffering, mental anguish, loss of enjoyment of life, and other damages. You can sue people for <laughs> causing you to lose your enjoyment of life? I had no idea. Oh, the lawsuits we would file. Seriously. Um, well, anyway, I'm sure I, I, based on the details that we are aware of, this feels like it was a nuisance suit that they paid to have her go away. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm glad she got some nice new sneakers and but they're not, they're not they're, nice. They're but, not nice. They're new, but they're um, not nice. And, uh, you know, best of luck to Farrah Abraham. Cause I think she's going to need it. Yeah. 
Um, so we're going to switch gears pretty abruptly from our uh, sex cult and um, adult entertainment stories <laughs> to um, sort of these weird, not weird, sports stories. Uh, Burke, I think you can probably start with the one that's been just shaking the foundation of Northern Ireland rugby. Oh, sure. So um, there were uh, a trial just wrapped up this week of um, two members of the Ulster rugby team, um, Patty Jackson of fucking course and um, (laughs) Stuart Olding, who were both found not guilty of rape. Um, they were alleged to have engaged in that crime um, in Belfast in 2016. They, uh, at Jackson's house, um, Jackson was also acquitted of an additional charge of sexual assault. There are two other men, uh, Blaine McElroy and Rory Harrison, who are on trial um, facing charges connected to the incident. Um, Blaine McElroy was found not guilty of exposure. Rory Harrison was acquitted of perverting the course of justice and withholding information, which I think is like the British equivalent to obstruction of Mm -hmm. justice. And um, yeah. So this rape case has apparently really like torn apart the uh, locker room of the Ulster rugby team, but also has been a real uh, challenging thing for the people of Northern Ireland. And I guess, the Republic of Ireland to grapple with because it really did sort of similar reading. This kind of reminded me of the Derek Rose case where Uh, it just turned into a way to slander the victim instead of questioning mm -hmm. the behavior of the men who were um, accused of, of rape. Um, This woman has not had her or she did not uh, disclose her identification. Although I understand that it was disclosed by somebody Mm -hmm. in violation of, um, the I don't know if there is a law in Northern Ireland that protects the identity of sexual assault and rape yes. victims. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been a challenging time for yeah for I Ulster mean, rugby. <laughs> she so it was a nine week trial. It's um, so much time. It's so much time. So she had to sit there. And listen to and watch like details of her life get dissected by people, um, and you know be called all sorts of horrendous things. And um, you know, it, I don't know. So sexual violence and abuse is like a really big problem in Northern Ireland. So they in the last five years, uh, they've in- experienced a forty percent increase in the number of rapes reported. Yet less than one in ten rape cases ends in prosecution. So I think that it might get tied up in a lot of, um, I know Northern Ireland is not Ireland, um, but I still think there's a lot of the religion and secularism and how you conduct yourself in daily life get really intertwined there. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's been kind of a big deal. So you had mentioned earlier that it's like just torn apart the Ulster rugby locker room. And it's mostly because... Um, I guess the reputation of the Ulster Rugby Club has been like devoutly Christian, and um, a lot of the players in the on the team are very very religious. And so, uh, the fact that this is happening, there's a real um, you know conflict in the locker room now because two of their uh, fellow 
rugby players has been um, well found not guilty, but at least like all of these details have come to light about how they talked about her on WhatsApp and how they treated her uh, subsequent to the alleged event, and that's really um, become very problematic in the locker room. But also for rug or Ulster Rugby's sponsors, who I think um, like British Telecom mm-hmm. and one other really big sponsor, maybe the Bank of Ireland, Bank of Northern Ireland, is are discussing ways of like ending their sponsorship deals um, with the rugby club. So. Um. Yeah, I my understanding was that some of their sponsors were waiting until like an internal investigation was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I just recently became aware of this case, so have not had uh, a ton of time to dig in on the years of collection of evidence or the nine week trial. But apparently, um, according to folks who have been following this, like none of the defendants had the same story. Or maybe two of them did, but none of the details really matched up. So mm-hmm. the um, they also interviewed the taxi driver who um, drove this woman, picked her up, I guess, and then drove her home. He said he saw um, blood on her pants. He had to check the seats to see if there was any blood all over the seats. He saw her totally inconsolable in the backseat of the cab and then heard um, Harrison talking in some kind of code but mentioning the victim's name. in the cab then um apparently the defendants were found to have deleted a ton of text messages whatsapp messages Mm -hmm. one of them had wiped his entire phone um because totally innocent people do that all the time i mean for sure and then they had whatsapp messages um these are really horrifying, so I'm not going to read them, but they then tried to explain away like, oh no, these things that are clearly us talking about her, that's not what we meant. Yeah, and that's actually, it's so, uh, surprise, not surprisingly, maybe, but it's not necessarily the trial that's like torn that locker room apart, it's those messages. It that I mean, they're yeah. fucking disgusting. <laughs> You've heard us talk about horrifying things, and even I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to subject our listeners to this. Um, but they, um, the way that this this was kind of boiled down is that if Patty Jackson is telling the truth, then it means the witnesses, the victim and the three other defendants are lying. If um, Stuart Olding is telling the truth, it means Patty Jackson, the witness and the victim are lying. If um, Blaine McElroy is telling the truth, it means Patty Jackson, Roy Harrison and the girl are lying, the victim, excuse me. And if Roy Harrison is telling the truth, it means Patty Jackson, Stuart Olding, (laughs) Blaine McElroy, the victim, and the taxi driver are all lying. If she, the victim, is telling the truth, it means that the four people who have a reason to lie are (laughs) lying. So the fact that this... Also, this is pretty crazy. She was on the stand for eight days, and each defendant was only on the stand for half a day to a day. That is crazy to me, and that seems to me to be a problem with the prosecution. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, apparently, um, like, her bloodied pants were passed around the courtroom. Yeah, which is great. That's that's not humiliating. That's not... Also, how is that not... I mean, I guess at this point they've tested the evidence, but, like... Yeah, I'm sure it was probably, probably like, just to the jury, maybe, I'm assuming. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was described as um, her knickers being passed around the court, Mm -hmm. so... Good Lord. Yes. Um... Yeah, it's pretty ugly, and it's um, really sort of sparked a 
uh, Me Too movement in Northern Ireland. It's it's a hashtag I believe her. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe some good will come of this. Uh, maybe more awareness or uh, changes in how changes in people feeling well the outcome of this is not going to make anyone come out and say yes i'm going to go and report and prosecute my rape case because look it just happened to this um this victim and she had to sit through this but um yeah um so that's the ulster rugby rape kerfuffle (laughs) kerfuffle is the wrong word i know (laughs) i mean i guess it's the united states is not the only place that has this problem so um nope nope it is not so yeah, there's that. Uh, um, the last story that we have today is definitely we kind of wanted to end on a lighter note, um, especially after uh, this this rugby rape trial. Uh, so there's been a huge, huge scandal in the world of Australian cricket. Oh yeah. So, but the thing of it is, is that the scandal itself. It's not that big. So there were allegations of uh, tampering with the ball at a test match between Australia and South Africa in South Africa like last week. And what the tampering allegedly was, was the, the bowler, I believe, might have scuffed the ball with some sandpaper that he had like kept in his... Is it the bowler or batsman? Because um, the batsman had to resign. Yeah. Or no, he has resigned to the fact he'll never play for Australia again. Oh, so maybe it was the batsman. So someone tampered with a ball with some sandpaper that they had sequestered in their pants. But, so this is the whole thing. Like, there have been people who've been banned for from cricket for like a year. People have lost their captaincies. Like, the coach of Australia has stepped down. because, And literally on TV in Australia and South Africa are members of the Australian cricket team, like, fucking crying because they're so upset that they've let down their nation. Oh, yeah, this picture's incredible. It's insane. But the umpires at the match did not feel that the balls were actually tampered with, so they didn't replace them. So it wasn't even effective tampering. It's like they looked at them like, oh, they're fine, and just kept them in play. So there's actually no real scandal. Oh, my God. Yes. This is like Australia. That's like Australia's deflate gate, and it's real sad. I mean, it's like literally tearing apart Australian cricket and I can't I can't figure out why and it's not like it's not my day job to figure out why but it's like people are people have been banned for a year they can't play for Australia mm-hmm. all of these things I'm like but you're not even a really it wasn't even a, it wasn't actually even cheating at the game right? they also two of these guys let me get their names. Hang in there with me. <laughs> They're very Australian. David Warner and Steve Smith. There are a lot of Steve Smiths na- uh, who are athletes. I feel like there's basketball and football players. Yeah. Anyway, um, David Warner and Steve Smith have both both lost their jobs playing in the, um, excuse me, lost their captaincies mm-hmm. playing in the Indian Premier League. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to be allowed to play in this upcoming season. Mm-mm. No. Which has literally nothing to do with the tournament that they were accused of engaging in cheating in. Yes, but again, they they scuffed a ball, fine, but the ball wasn't so scuffed as to impact play, so the umpires let them continue to play with the ball. So it's like 
Yeah, I don't... At the time, it's not even like we found the ball after the game, like Deflategate. Right. No, no, this was like as the game was happening, as the match they was They looked at the balls at halftime in Deflategate, by the way. That's true. Okay. And we crushed the Colts. <laughs> totally fair. In the second half. But, but anyway, yes. But they didn't your pull... Your point yeah, being I mean, that... they let the same ball be played until... yeah. It was I just... don't... Yeah, this, this is very confusing. It's, um, so there's been a lot of coverage of this in like international papers, as you would well imagine, because I don't think anyone in America really follows cricket. Um, cause it's, there was a cricket game in Berkeley across the street from my friend's apartment, but I don't, I think that's just like a league of dudes who play cricket. Were they dressed in white? I didn't ask. Oh, okay. Um, so, but I guess it has to do with, um, the reason why this is hitting Australia so hard is because... Australia has been involved in other matches where the other team has cheated and tampering, oh. and they've always been like really kind of like they feel like morally superior and kind of like high and mighty about it. So I think people are finding a little bit of Schadenfreude in the downfall of Australian cricket. But I, yeah, it just seems like a a pretty extreme reaction to something that at the time at was the time it? that was happening was not a big deal. Um. He had also, Warner had also been fined after having an altercation with South Africa wicket keeper, Quentin de Koch. Um, Warner later said that violent, disgusting remarks were made by de Koch against Warner's wife, Candace, and that's what prompted the action. Yeah, there are a lot of like crying grown men here. Yeah, a, uh, lot, a lot of crying grown men. It's so insane. It's just absolutely insane. Um,. So, yeah, so that's tearing apart the fabric of Australian cricket right now, this fake ball tampering Yikes. story. It's not a fake story. It's a real story. The no. tampering was fake-ish. Um, so, anyways, that's us, that's us in a nutshell this week. Um, I'm just reading someone... There are a lot of leading cricket figures who criticized the bans and the players union is now questioning the severity and proportionality of the punishments, which kind of makes sense. Like this is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess the punishments were handed down by the international cricket council. And so it's the Australian cricketers association or cricketers association. That's asking a whole bunch of questions, um, including like the punishment is higher than those, um, Wait, that doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't read and talk at the same time. <laughs> so the punishment, oh, yeah. so it's the Cricketers Association, which I think is like an equivalent to like a players union, mm -hmm. is pushing back on Cricket Australia's punishment. Yes. And their questions are, um, the punishment that Cricket Australia handed down is higher than the International Cricket Council's because um, uh, they find Smith 100% um, of his match fee and suspended him for one game and docked Bancroft, who is uh, another person who was involved in this, who's only 25. Yeah. 75% um, of his payment and gave him three demerit points. The bans are quote unquote disproportionate to previous sanctions for changing the condition of the ball. And Cricket Australia is rushed to place players before the world's media on Saturday where they all cried in a yeah. <laughs> press conference. I, I did sort of feel like the, because I think the ball scuffing thing happened yeah. literally last week. Oh. Or maybe like 10 days ago. That so it feels like a real rush to judgment here. Yes. But I think it also falls in line with the fact that um, 
Australia has trained or has this reputation for holding itself like above others in no. terms of their the integrity of their play. So maybe that's why they wanted to um, react this quickly. Yeah, no, but there have been a lot of tears cried <laughs> over this by grown men in Australia. Uh, Steve Smith seems to be the one crying at the press conference. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, so that's that was my Australian cricket story. Yeah, that's rough. Well, mm-hmm. if we get any updates, if the uh, Cricketers Union Prevails, fights back, yes. um, we will let you all know. So, all right. I think um, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to um, check us out on social media, we're at UFR underscore BG on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, I've been... Think that account got deleted off my Instagram app, so I need to. We need to reconnect with that. Yeah, but um, we need more pictures of Rufio. We do. We can also. You can also check us out at our website under further review dash bg dot com or um, send us an email at under further review dot bg at gmail dot com. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye.